We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Alrighty, let's grab our seats. Alright. How you doing? Good. Good to see you today. If we ever met, my name's Ben, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here. Good to have you here. And uh, we've been talking about being refilled. And uh, it needs to be an ongoing thing. Keep being filled with the presence of God. It's not a one and done. One and done, tick the box. It's not like that. You're constantly filled again and again with the presence of God. And we've been staying in that space. And it's really important to do it this time of year. Because this time of year, you, you can get a bit, I call it twitchy. A little bit sharp, or a little bit tired, or a little bit weary, and different seasonal things happening. And you need to be really purposeful all the time. But especially this time of year, being refilled with the presence of God, with the love of God, the Spirit of God, the joy of God. I'm going to encourage you, Dan Bates, in a few weeks. It's going to be a powerful time, and he just ministers in that space and get there, be a part of it. And uh, uh, before I talk, I was at uh, the youth last night with Steve and Sarah Jane. And uh, let me tell you, they're doing an amazing job. And uh, they're so pastoral, and they're doing a great space there and doing a great thing there. And, and uh, I've I spoken, and uh, we had four teenagers respond to a. A message about following Jesus, and so they're gonna, they're gonna, Steve and Sarah, are amazing. They're gonna walk with them through that journey, and and they're just doing an amazing thing there. So I just want to honour you guys and tell you, you're doing a great job, and we're right behind you. Yeah, give me a hand. And so, and uh, maybe feel old though. You know, I used to be cool. I think I did. I used to be cool. A little bit, a little bit cool. And I've pinpointed the point I stopped being cool was when I had kids. Like it just, it all shifts, doesn't it? And uh, I'm no longer cool. I'm just the dad. And uh, I do things that lame dads do. Right. I mean, something, my dad, Darren is my dad, if you didn't know. And, and the one thing he used to do all the time, it used to really tick me off, was he used to fall asleep everywhere. And then, you know, when they just like, they catch flies, and we used to throw stuff at him and trying to put stuff in his mouth. And, but now I'm that dad. And we popped into the in laws last night, almost fell asleep in a rocking chair. Uh, the other week I fell asleep on floorboards, not even a pillow, not even carpet, just straight floorboards, and I fell asleep. You know, I got a haircut in a hairdresser's, and I fell asleep during the haircut. You know how embarrassing that is? And I could feel it coming. And I'm fighting it because you've got a comfy chair and I've got the clippers and it's like a little head scratch on. And before I knew it, and it's just so awkward, it's horrible. But I'm that guy, I'm the dad. And, uh, and no one told me that sometimes being a parent would be hard work. Like sometimes it's a little bit tricky. And they don't do anything, you've got to do everything for them. And uh, I've got a few kids and they're beautiful, but uh, they, they have their issues. Um, Myra, she talks to me like I'm her slave and like I'm stupid. Like, it, she goes, Dad, I need toast. Get the bowl, get the bread. I need a peanut butter knife. Dad, it's in the kitchen. Like, she, she goes through all the steps like I don't even know it. Nancy, 
she, she's the one here with me today, and the others is going to meet us at our And Nancy, she's really cheeky, and she pinpoints the point of weakness. Like she waits till you're tired to, to mess with you. Or, or we were at our Drossen at our other church a few weeks ago, and, and Tali was six years she wasn't there, Darren and Kerry. Oh, the people that kind of helped around the kids weren't there. It was just me and Nancy. And she was beautiful and really good the whole day until I got up at our Drossen to pray and just transition the service. And she stood up at the, at the row and faced the whole church, and she said, funny faces. And in this beautiful, prayerful moment, just made a mockery of me and my parenting. And then she said, everybody, wash your hands. And she went, spat on our hands and then washed them. And we tried to encourage everyone to do it. And I'm like, oh, no. Right? My parenting is tricky. And, and no one told me that they don't pay for anything. Like, I, I know that's an assumption, but no one told me that. No one told me they don't do anything. And... Uh, I'm getting to a point here. I'm not, this is not just a therapy session. and It is a little bit, but I, I get to do that. But the fact of it is, is that they could make a mockery all they want and they can ruin my sleep all they want, which they do. And they could do these things, but I'm still going to love them because they're my kids. Right. They could be the biggest pain in the neck. Right. And let's be honest, sometimes they are but you still love them to bits because they're your kids. And, and I'm a flawed dad doing my best, doing my best most of the time, for being honest. And I, I think I'll do okay, but we have a perfect Father in heaven, and, and Sarah sung about it and led us in that space, and it all just goes together today. We've got a perfect Father in heaven who loves us so much, and it's unconditional that anywhere we go, whatever we say, whatever we do, even when we make a mockery of him, still loves us. And that's what I just want to talk about today, is God's love and being filled with God's love. Is that all right? Can we pray? God, this is your church, this is your word. I just pray it makes home in our hearts and bring fruit from our lives and have your way in us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's read from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Christ makes his home in your hearts and then you know God's love. That goes together because Jesus perfectly reveals God. And so when you know Jesus, you know God's love because Jesus perfectly reveals God who is love. And so Jesus is... We know Jesus, we follow Jesus, we know God's love. And then Paul says, this, he's writing this and he says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, that it's too great to understand fully. We have understanding love and experiencing love. And they're both really important and they go together. And it says... Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That seems pretty important. You're made complete when you understand and experience the love of God. And when you understand and experience the love of God, you have all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And I think understanding builds in time. 
As we understand more about Jesus, more about God, we understand more about God's love. As we do church, as we do life together, as we read, as we pray, we know God more. And when we know God more, we understand God's love more. And then we experience it. That's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And experiences are in moments and they build it like understanding. They happen in different times, different places. Sometimes we experience God's love in peace. Sometimes it's in strength. Sometimes it's just in, it's this undescribable. It's in our spirit. It's in our core that we just, just have this revelation, this, this just deep feeling that he's with us and he loves us. Understand and experience the love of God. You know, they've done so many studies on, on the first six months and the first few years of a child's life that depending on how they feel love, they call it the attachment theory, and depending on the love they have, particularly with the mother, but of both parents, it, it dictates how secure and safe and how they develop in the years to come. When infants and young children know their love, they develop better, they're more secure, they're safer, they take more risks, they learn better. And I think it's the same in our faith. <coughs> When we know the love of God, when we know we're loved, when we experience the love of God, we grow in faith. It's the same thing. And this knowing the love of God, experiencing the love of God, being filled with the love of God, it's not just like a new Christian thing. It's not just, oh yeah, you do that when you first know Jesus, you get filled with love, and then you go into deeper things. That's a load of rubbish. Right. Uh, I didn't even say it's rubbish. Paul said it's rubbish. In 1 Timothy 1, verse 5, it says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love. All of them. That's the purpose of why he's writing, is that they be filled with love. That comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. But some people have missed the whole point. They've turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. Well, I've, I've, I've seen that happen a few times. A few meaningless discussions. I could be really cheeky right now, couldn't I? And give examples, but I won't. I'll let you imagine them. But that's the... If you've been around faith for a while, am I filled with love more or am I more spending time in discussions that don't really matter? It's not a new Christian thing. We've got to be filled with love. It's ongoing. Is there any professional fishermen here? Not hobby fishermen, professional fishermen. No? Cool. Most of them are crazy. Right. And I say that in a, in a good way because crazy is good. I'm a bit weird as well. And crazy and weird keeps life interesting. But a lot of them are crazy. And I've got a few mates who are professional fishermen and they're all a little bit nuts. Because I think to, to do some jobs, you've got to be a little bit crazy. To, to, to live out on sea for like four nights, you've got to be a little bit crazy. right? And I, I, I played footy when I was about 15, 16, a few of them, and they had mullets before mullets were cool. right? Well, now all the kids had mullets, and now these days, they had a longer time ago. right? And uh, I know one guy up at our Drossen, and, and he was suspended from basketball for 52 weeks. That's a lot of weeks, isn't it? And he, he's a lovely guy, but he's crazy. He's actually using my uniform now. I, I said to him, mate, you're going to get a bit of the Ben magic. And uh, 
He didn't believe me. And, but fishermen, they're crazy. And Jesus had a couple of crazy fishermen following him. And two of them, their names are James and John. I'm going to talk a little bit about John. Because John was a crazy fisherman. He was angry, he was wild, he was a bit loose, a bit rough around the edges. And he was so rough and angry and wild that Jesus gave him the nickname Son of Thunder. Imagine that. Imagine you're following Jesus, then he gives you a cheeky nickname. <laughs> right? Jesus didn't do it very often, but he gave it to this guy. And you read some of the stuff this crazy fisherman did. He said that one time they were walking along and him and his brother were arguing which one was the best. And we read that and we get used to it. But imagine if we went out to lunch and there's like five of us. Say I'm here with these five ladies out at lunch. And I say, ah, Sarah, you're pretty good. But I think I'm better. Like you're good, but I'm better than you. And Julie, lovely communion. You're great, but I think I'm better than you as well. Like you, it, the arrogance and stupidity, and but that's what they were doing, arguing which one was the best. James and John, they preached in a town and they didn't listen, and then they asked Jesus, "Can we call down fire and just kill them all?" Imagine if we have Dan Bates coming in a few weeks. Imagine no one from Kabawi comes. I say, Dad, Darren, no one from Kabawi come. Should we pray that God kills them? <laughs> they didn't respond. Maybe they should be burned up. This is the crazy fisherman, wild man, angry guy John is. Right? Loose as loose can be. And I love that he was one of Jesus' followers. Because it means we all fit in there somewhere. Because I, I, know, I know most of you, none of you are that loose. Right? Few are teetering on the edge. But, uh... And this crazy fisherman ended up writing a few books in the Bible. Right? So I want you to picture this crazy fisherman who wants to burn people up who thinks he's better than everyone else. And I want, we're going to read something he wrote. Now this is after Jesus died, rose again and ascended to heaven. And we're going to read something this crazy, angry, wild, son of thunder fisherman wrote, alright? This is what he wrote. 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. What? Crazy, angry fisherman? Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. doesn't fit, does it? God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Didn't you want to burn people down, John? No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love has brought to full expression in us. 
If you read that, you don't picture crazy, angry fishermen. I picture like, I don't know, maybe like a loving grandma or something. I don't know. Just someone peaceful and loving. Not crazy fisherman John. Doesn't fit. But what happened was crazy, angry fisherman John spent a few years with Jesus. And when you're crazy, angry and a bit loose, and when you spend a few years with Jesus, you begin to understand God's love, you begin to experience God's love, and God's love starts to transform you. You read the Gospel of John, John refers to himself as the disciple who Jesus loves. Now that's not John saying, oh, God loves... It's not a continuation of his I'm better than you speech. That's John so aware that Jesus loves him. That's the title he gives himself on the disciple Jesus loves. He goes from crazy, angry fisherman to disciple of love because he's transformed by the love of God. That's the power when we understand and experience the love of God. That's why, that's why it's not just for new Christians, it's for all of us. So I just want to just briefly look at a few things at the life of John. And what happens when we understand and experience the love of God? One thing is, we, we, John asks questions no one else would. When you know the love of God, when you experience the love of God, you ask questions no one else is going to. That at the Last Supper, Jesus is going to die soon and Jesus is teaching them about communion. And this is where we're going to read something. And it says, Now Jesus was deeply troubled and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering whom it could mean. The disciple Jesus loved, John, was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him, asking, Who's he talking about? Motioned him to ask, Who's he talking about? So the disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? So let me paint the picture. They're at a table, they're eating. And then Jesus says, One of you is going to betray me. And the room is filled with tension. It's awkward, it's controversial. Who's it going to be? And they're all asking each other, who's it going to be? Who, who do you think it's going to be? But none of them are game to ask Jesus. And here's John, just chilling, just relaxing, just, just taking it all in. And then Peter says, hey, John, would you be able to ask Jesus who he's talking about? Then John goes, who is it? Because when you're the disciple who Jesus loved, when you know and experience the love of God, you're so safe and secure, there's nothing you're not going to ask. When you know the love of God, when you grow in understanding, when you experience the love of God, nothing's off limits. You can ask anything of God. You can go in any emotion, any feeling. You can take any doubt to Jesus because you're not worried about if he's going to still love you. You're not worried about how he's going to react. In any moment, in any situation, in any feeling, in any emotion, in any doubt, you can go right up to God and just lay it all down because you know you're loved. You know the love isn't going to change. You are secure and you are safe. You, can, you are loved by God. God loves you so much. And you can ask him anything. You can take any doubt to God. He's not going to 
shun you. He's not going to turn away. You can go to God in any emotion, any feeling, any mistake, and he welcomes you in. When you know the love of God, you can ask anything. When you're secure. Now, kids ask anything, don't they? They're not worried about your feelings. Dad, why you got a big tummy? Oh, how dare you? If you only knew what that question meant. I was once at a, at a funeral at a, with a school and this kid goes to me, well, I'm having a funeral, he's dead, he doesn't care. And this is a young kid and it sounds harsh but it was a really genuine question. And, and Yeah, he had a bit of le- to learn about empathy and other people but he's little, he didn't hardly get that yet. But he wasn't worried about offending me. And I wasn't offended, I can see that. But the kids ask anything. They're not worried about your feelings or your emotions. <laughs> we can ask God anything. We can go to God at any moment. You're loved by God. Hey, when, when you know the love of God, you hang in there. You hang in there longer. You hang in there when you know and experience the love of God. You know, Jesus is on the cross. And as he was arrested, all 12 disciples scattered. And then we read on the, he's on the cross, and, and all the women are still there. <laughs> but there's one disciple at the cross in the crowd. Who is it? It's John. John 19 standing near the cross with Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary and Mary Magdalene, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, John, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. John was still there. The other 11 ran, scared, gone. John, still there. You know, when, when we know the love of God, when we experience the love of God, you can hang in there when you shouldn't be able to hang in there. When the prayers aren't answered, when the bank balance isn't flash, when that person offends you, when life is a bit chaotic, when you don't know the way out, when things aren't going to plan, when there's chaos, when you're struggling, you can hang in there when you know and experience the love of God. It keeps you strong, it keeps you steady, it keeps you hanging in there when nothing else will. Think of my life, week of sick kids to hospital visits to money issues to lost pregnancies to, you know the love of God, you hang in there. When you know and experience the love of God, you hang in there. In tough times, that's when God keeps you. You know, when you know the love of God, you get given special tasks. On the cross, Jesus told John in one of his last words before he died, look after my mum. It's in that last passage I just read. It says, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And then from then on, the disciple took her into his home. pretty important job 
when you, when you know the love of God, when you experience the love of God, it gets you ready for special tasks that you can only do when you know and experience the love of God. It prepares you for your destiny, it prepares you for your family, for your work, for your life, when you know and experience the love of God. When you know and experience the love of God, you can do things that you can do only when you know and experience the love of God. It's more important than anything else. 1 Corinthians 13. I don't have this one, Andrew. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. What's that saying? If you could speak every language on earth, that's pretty impressive, right? If you could, and of all the angels, but if you didn't love anyone, you're just a racket, you're just a bunch of noise that no one wants to hear. If you had the gift of prophecy and understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all the knowledge, and if I had such faith that could move mountains... That's really impressive. Prophecy, faith, all of God's knowledge, but if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything to the poor, that's impressive, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have nothing. See, we need to be growing in our understanding of God, in the gifts of God, in what we do and how we live, but if we're not filled with the love of God, because that's how we love others, right? When we're filled with the love of God, without that, you can know every verse in the Bible, but if you don't know the love of God, I'm not saying we shouldn't know to learn our Bible, but if we're not filled with the love of God. Because remember, in Ephesians, when we understand and experience a God, we are complete. We have all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. John knew the love of God. He, he, had, he had a relationship with Jesus that no one else had. He was closer. He asked anything he wanted. He hung in there when no one else didn't, and he got given special tasks that you only get when you're filled with the love of God. Now, when you love someone, you show it, don't you? When you love someone, you show it, you do something. And God showed, and he continues to show how much he loves us throughout the Bible, throughout your life, and he will in the days to come. But he showed us perfectly how much he loves us on the cross. That Jesus came to earth, He laid down his life selflessly in an act of love for me and you. He took sin and death onto himself, removing it for us once and for all. So because of our faith in Jesus, we're given life, we're given hope, we're given the future, we're given eternity in heaven, we're given heaven on earth, forgiveness, freedom because of Jesus. John said that's real love what Jesus did for us. He shows us real love on the cross. And that's why as we know Jesus more and more, we we grow in understanding of God's love. 
And that's why church is important. That's why reading the words is important. That's why prayer is important. Because as we know God more, as we spend time with one another in faith, as we know God more, we begin to understand God's love more and more. Remember Ephesians? May have the power to understand how high, how deep, how wide, how long God's love is. And as we spend time with God, we, we grow in our understanding of God's love because God is love. And it grows and it builds. But then Paul said, may you experience the love of God because it's too great to understand fully. And what that means is it says, hey, don't worry about trying to understand it because it's too great. It's too complex. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying, it's so good. The love of God is so big. It's so powerful that you'll never stop comprehending how amazing it is. And I can attest for it. Every year, the love of God gets better. Because as you know God more, his love gets better. Because you see how gracious, how loving, how present, how comforting he is. And that will continue all the days of our life if we follow Jesus. He says, Let you, may you understand the love of God, but may you experience the love of God. And that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you experience... Because one thing to understand, but you also got to experience it, right? I said to youth last night, I can understand how to do things, but doing them is different. I said, ice skating, I understand, it looks really easy, ice skating. Just kind of just glide along, jump and do a spin, keep going. I get on there, I can't even stand up, right? Understanding, experiencing are different. We understand the love of God, but we experience the love of God. And that means it can't be defined perfectly. Because understanding is different to experience, and they go together. But when you experience the love of God, I can't define it for you perfectly because it can't be. That's the beauty of it. Is when we experience the love of God, it can't be defined perfectly. It's something just in our core, in our spirit, that we just just feel and sense God's love. And if we try and perfectly write and explain it, we won't do it justice. Because it's an experience. Because sometimes it feels like peace, but other times it feels like strength, but other times it feels like comfort, but other times it just feels like love. And how, it, how on earth do you describe it? I don't know, but you experience it and you understand it. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm going to pray for today. If, if um, Maybe Keys and Sarah. We don't, probably, that's probably enough. I'm just going to pray that we're filled with the love of God. Just like Paul prayed in 1 Timothy. That we don't get just distracted from meaningless discussions. Or like Paul said in Corinthians, that we, we don't have all the knowledge and all the gifts, but we don't have love. <laughs> I'm going to pray that, like John, we'll just experience the love of God so we can just ask God and be so secure and safe that we can talk to God about anything, anytime. That we can hang in there when we shouldn't be able to hang in there. And that we can be filled and prepared for the special roles he's given us Like I said, I can't define it perfectly for you. 
I'm going to pray that you're filled with the love of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's presence on earth. And when we, whenever we experience God, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit because it's God's presence in us and through us. And I'm going to pray that we're filled with love. And I can maybe come up with ideas of what it might look like. For me, in the past, like I said, it's been peace, it's been comfort, it's just been such a sense that God loves you. But it can't be defined perfectly because we understand and we experience. See, God knows you and he loves you so much. He is love. Unconditional love, never changing love. Love so much he came to earth for you and me to give us life. He literally, Jesus literally gave himself, he gave everything he had in love so we could have life. He couldn't give anything more but himself. So God, I just thank you for every single person here and I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit, you fill them with love. God, we want to be a church. We want to be Christians. We want to be followers of you, Jesus, that are filled with love, that will grow in understanding and will experience the love of God. So God, as we just spend a little bit of time in worship, I pray, Holy Spirit, fill us with your love. I pray for new revelations. I pray for new pictures. I pray for new understanding. I pray for new experiences. I pray just a just a sense that your presence is within us. I pray for just a, a, an experience of your love around us. I pray for your peace, your joy, your comfort just to fill us. Holy Spirit, fill us with your love. Fill us with your love, God. As we worship, just, just come humbly and open and just ask God, fill me with your love. Holy Spirit, fill me with your love.